Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi, Kate. You know, we have such a powerful team. I really value all that we accomplish together. We have so much more creativity and ideas when we work together. Me too. We are so in sync these days. That we finish each other's sentences. That, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, well, it is now. Whatever. I brought up the power of partnerships because in today's episode, we are going to hear from two other captivating collaborators. You must be talking about Rebecca Odell and Allison Marquette. I am. These educators have taught side by side for more than five years now. And the members of this dynamic duo are also bloggers and authors. You can follow their blog at movingwriters.org and read their newest book, Beyond Literary Analysis, teaching students to write with passion and authority about any text. Our colleague here, Kim, sat down to chat with Rebecca and Allison at our CNUSD Literacy is Everywhere conference this past summer. That was not what I was going to say, Kim. It wasn't. You guys are no Rebecca and Allison. That's true. Okay, (laughs) everyone take a listen. Thank you for joining us today. We are at the CNUSD Literacies Every Third Annual Conference here in a very warm July summer day. So I'm sitting here with um, Allison Marchetti and Rebecca Odell. Thank you for joining us. If you could just tell us a little bit of something about yourselves and your background in education. This is Allison, and I uh, have my master's in the teaching of English, 6 through 12. After college, I went and taught in a public um, suburban school in Chesterfield County for five years, and then I was really curious about what things were like on the other side, that side being independent school. So I um, got a job at um, a small independent school in Richmond and have been there for five years. And that's where I met Rebecca, um, who has become um, my, you know, not just my colleague, but my one of my best friends and my co-writer, and has just opened up a whole new world for me of teaching. Yeah, that is our secret, our secret fun fact, is that we have taught literally through the wall from each other for the last five years. That's where we met. I also taught in public schools for many years before I moved into an independent school and met Allison, and that's really where... Um, you know, our sort of writing took off professionally. We started a blog together because we said, hey, you have a lot of ideas about teaching English. So do I. Let's write a blog. And then from a blog, we pitched a book to Heinemann and we wrote Writing with Mentors in 2014. And then we have a new book, Exploring Analysis, um, with Heinemann coming out in January, January 2018. So it's been a whirlwind five years of a lot of fun stuff. But That's where we're coming from. We've um, both taught um, students in special ed inclusion classes all the way to AP and IB students. And next year, I'm actually going to try my hand at teaching middle schoolers. I'm going to go teach 7th and 8th graders for a new adventure. So writing instruction is your passion. What do you believe is the most important thing you have done to build a culture of authentic writers? And what does this look like? Well, authenticity is everything to us. And we ask this question before we do anything with our students. Do real writers do that? What do real writers do? How do they do it? Um, And if the answer is no, real writers don't do that, then we don't do that. As an example, um, do real writers 
get assigned topics and have to, you know, force them into five paragraph essays by their editors? The answer is no. <laughs> so we don't have our students write five paragraph essays on assigned pre-assigned topics. Or another example might be, do real writers write in notebooks? Do they have a daily practice of, of writing? And the answer is yes. So we begin all of our classes with five to 10 minutes of what we call notebook work or notebook play. Um, and our students are devoted on a daily basis to making progress in their writing in their notebooks in that way. Yeah, we really want our students not to see themselves as students in an English class who write papers, but we really want them to start thinking of themselves as writers. Um, we call them writers. Writers, let's get our notebooks out. Um, because we want them to feel like this isn't something we're doing for school. This isn't something we're doing for a grade. This is a way of being, a way of collecting the world in words. And it's something that we're going to do when we leave this class. It's something that we're going to do when we leave school altogether, because it's something that's become a part of our identity. You once said the craft of writing is truly studied and not assigned, and we study it together. What does this look like in an elementary classroom, and how do you think that changes in a secondary one? The thing is, is that we don't think it changes. Um, we think that the habits of good writing and the habits of good writing instruction are the same K through, well, through the newsroom. Um, you know, Donald Murray was really one of the big founders of Writing Workshop. Was His goal was to bring the ethos of a newspaper newsroom into the classroom. You know, for us, that means that there's daily writing. There's time for practicing writing. It means that there's time to talk to your editor, who in, in this case is the teacher, um, to get feedback on your writing right there in the moment. For us, you know, using mentor text, having mini lessons that teach writing skills, having daily practice for writing, having time to talk about your writing, those are things that we see in kindergarten classrooms and those are things we see in 12th grade AP classrooms. So those habits are the same regardless of what level you teach. And to be honest, those habits are far more prevalent in elementary school classrooms. We are scaffolding up all the time um, from elementary school materials. Some of our most prized um, professional learning books, I'm thinking of like Katie Wood Ray's Wondrous Words. Those are or in the middle. Or in Nancy the middle, Atwell. Nancy Atwell. Mm -hmm. Those books were written for elementary school teachers and middle school teachers. And those are our go-to books um, for cultivating these practices with our kids. And I think that's really powerful when you think about the teachers who are in your building and you think about the teachers who are in your district and the ways that if we cultivated these practices together, we could work together and support one another and support students K-12 with a lot of continuity mm -hmm. um, and power in their writing curriculum. So you're known for curating and utilizing mentor text to help students find their voice. Can you define mentor text for our listeners and where you find your inspiration for these texts? So a mentor text is a relevant piece of professional writing that both guides and inspires student writers. Um, and we think those words guide and inspire are equally important. Um, what, what they mean is that mentor texts can, in fact, teach our students how to write better. They can teach our students specific writing techniques. Um, but more importantly, they can inspire our students by showing them all of the possibilities that exist 
for them as writers. And that's really exciting. And we find mentor texts everywhere. Um, I mean, we most often find them when we are just trolling Twitter because we love Twitter. And we <laughs> see a really interesting looking article and we click on it and we say, oh, that article is awesome. How could I use this with my students? Which of my students would want to write something like this? Or we are sitting on the beach reading a novel and we just read a beautiful sentence and we think, oh, what can I teach my students so that they can write a sentence like this? And then we pull that sentence into our classroom. So sometimes we do really go hunting, you know, for the perfect mentor text to teach just the right skill. But more often than not, we find mentor texts because we love reading and we love good writing. And I think that that is something really powerful for English teachers um, because we're readers, right? And, and we love this stuff. And that's why we got into this job in the first place. And so when we free our minds, you know, to think past those questions, core texts that are at the center of our curriculum that we have mm -hmm. to teach every year. And we start to think about like, what does good writing look like in the world? And when I see it, can I just grab it and bring it into my classroom? Um, that makes it more relevant and engaging to our kids, but it also makes it a lot more relevant and engaging to us. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite stories about um, our mentor text curation, Rebecca and I both listen to NPR and our commutes home. And a few years ago, we were listening to Ken Tucker Ken Tucker's review of the new Pharrell album, Pharrell Williams album. Mm -hmm. I think we were both at a stoplight and I heard my phone ping and I looked down and Rebecca <laughs> said, I found a great mental text for teaching, fig uh, it was figurative, figurative language, language because yeah. Ken Tucker used a lot of it in his analysis, in his review. So she said, let's find a way to use this tomorrow and we did. So a lot of the mentor texts we pull are found the day before. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes mm -hmm. them so relevant and mm -hmm. timely um, and really fresh and exciting. We don't have file cabinets of favorite mentor texts that we pull mm -hmm. year after year. Everything is new. And that's because good writing is good writing. Right. You mm -hmm. know, like if I want to teach my kids figurative language this year, that Pharrell mm -hmm. mentor text is a few years dated. Mm -hmm. But if I look at any piece of good writing, I'm going to find figurative language. That's mm -hmm. a characteristic of good writing. Um, so that's why we don't feel tethered to that file cabinet. And we're not afraid to throw out what we used last year, because we know we're going to find good writing this year too. So in a traditional 55 minute class period, how can teachers structure their time to implement authentic writing instruction? And I'm, and I'm talking like your notebook time, your mentor text studying. Yeah, we've been teaching on 46 minutes oh, for wow. the last five years. So we spend the first five to 10 minutes of class in notebook time, which is just risk-free play. We offer up a poem or an image or a mentor sentence. We ask our students what they notice. We ask them to try it in their notebooks. So there's just some writing muscle building time at the beginning of class. Then we spend 10-ish minutes, we try to keep it to 10, a mini lesson where we're targeting one writing skill that we see in the mentor texts showing it to our students, teaching them how to do it themselves. Then as much time as we can possibly give them, 25 minutes, um, goes to them taking that skill and putting it in their writing right now. While they're writing, we are running around the room furiously, talking mm -hmm. to writers. We're checking in on them. We're saying, how's it going? What are you working on today? Show me where you're having a problem. Answering their questions, because some of those kids got that technique in the mini lesson. Some did not, and they need another conversation about it. Um, and then, you know, in the last five or so minutes of class, we might wrap up. We might preview, okay, today you added figurative language. Tomorrow, we're going to think about your paragraphs. What should your paragraphs look like? Um, we might ask them to share. We might say, who wrote a sentence they really like today? And get some kids to raise their hands and share. But we really try to keep as much writing time in the classroom 
as humanly possible so that they can practice the skill immediately, but also so they can get feedback immediately. Mm -hmm. And all of the feedback isn't coming at the end when the paper's right. done and turned in. And I think, you know, this is a structure that we love, but I think there are probably other ways to structure a class period too. But what's essential is having a predictable structure um, because there's a lot of freedom and predictability. And when students come into the classroom and they know exactly what to expect, that actually frees up a lot of emotional anxiety and, and, mental, and space. mental space that they can then pour into their writing projects rather than wondering, am I going to be called on? Are we going to have a pop quiz? Right. There are no What's surprises. What's the activity say? Yeah. yeah. And I think when there are no surprises in class structure, um, you make room for surprises. And it's also... It, it leads for surprises for us. Mm -hmm. We um, were at NCTE's annual convention last year in a session with Lucy Calkins. Mm -hmm. And she said the thing about predictability that makes it magical is that it allows you to be present for your students. Mm -hmm. When you, the teacher, are not on teachers pay teachers all day mm -hmm. long trying to think of like, oh no, what's the next activity? Right. How am I going to fill 55 minutes tomorrow? When you know we're going to have a notebook time, there's going to be a mini lesson, they'll write, we'll wrap up, then you are more present for those needs that pop up, for those brilliant moments that happen. Um, and you also reduce your anxiety as a teacher. Um, with so many students in different places as writers in a traditional classroom setting, how do you ensure you are meeting the needs of all children in the classroom? And what are some strategies you have used to engage your reluctant writers? The best answer to that question is conferences, writing conferences, which honestly is where most of our instruction happens. We start with a mini lesson, um, but we won't reach every student with that mini lesson. And some students will need more than what that mini lesson gave them. And some students will need us to dial it back and will need more scaffolding. So a conference is when you kneel down beside a student at their desk and you ask them, how's it going? What are you working on today? And you let them talk and you listen, and then you use what they're saying to guide a small point of instruction to move their writing forward just a little bit. Um, and so most of our, I think our best instruction happens in those conferences, and that's how we reach every student where he or she is. This year, and I think for the past two years, we've taught a de-leveled or an unleveled ninth grade classroom where we have students coming from 31 different middle schools, um, with yeah. so many different levels of experience in writing and, and reading. educational needs. You know, we mm -hmm. have students who have come from inclusion classrooms, and we have students who will be our IB scholars in a few years sitting together. And the best way to, to meet a student where he is and also to get to know that student as an individual mm -hmm. is to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, and that happens in daily conferences. And I think for our most reluctant writers, I think that that personal interaction can, can mean a lot. Having a teacher say, okay, so let's find a place together where you could put in that figurative language is so helpful, but also just finding the right mentor texts that engage mm -hmm. that kid. You know, maybe we use the Pharrell Williams piece, but like this kid is not into music, mm -hmm. but tomorrow we're bringing in a piece of sports analysis mm -hmm. and he loves sports. And he's like, yes, that's the kind of writer I want to be. Because when we're showing them mentor texts, we're showing them writing techniques and we're showing them, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of different topics, but we're also showing them what is possible in a piece of writing. And so often we share a mentor text with our students and someone will say, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that was a thing you could write about. I didn't know you were allowed to ever use I in English <laughs> class. Um, but we, we are creating visions for them of like what's really possible in writing. And if we're thinking about our students in our classroom right now and thinking about what they love and what they're into and finding mentor texts, 
we're going to engage even the most reluctant writer because then he sees this is real. This isn't for school. This is for the real world. And it's something I love and I can do that. How can teachers partner with parents to support student writing? Writing has in the past just been um, stayed behind the the closed doors of your classroom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things we've done, the specific things we've done this year is inviting parents into the digital notebooks and portfolios that our students have um, been building. And we do that through Google Docs. So in our digital grade book, we cut and paste the link to our students' online writing portfolio. And parents can click on that link at any time. Um, And if they were to go into that portfolio, they would see um, a lot of their students' thinking work and drafts and our feedback and how a piece of writing has moved and evolved over time. And really that's the best way to to, um, see the story that is your child's Mm -hmm. work and experience in that class. So I think opening them up to the actual writing and showing it to them and and letting them be a part of that conversation. We also know that, you know, Kids are going to come home and their parents are going to say, how's your writing in English class going? Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, fine. Or (laughs) what did you do in English class today? Nothing. So we also um, send home kind of interview questions for parents, things you can ask your kid. And we give them specific question stems so that they can have a conversation with their kids. So it might be something like, you know, oh, what mentor texts were you using that inspired this piece? Or how did this piece change? What did you revise when you went back in? How did it change from the first time to the last? Or just what are you most proud of in this piece? And, you know, we used to just send writing home and say, kids, talk to your parents about it. And the kids would always come back and tell us that their parents only commented on the grammar, which killed our teacher's souls, you know? But we found that if we give parents specific ways to talk to their kids about their writing, then they can have a conversation. The kid gets to share something with their parents. The parents get to see what's happening in the classroom. And hopefully we're just opening those channels of communication. Yeah, I think that's so important. I feel like as they get, you know, higher into high school, we lose that 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 conversation that happens around mm-hmm. the dinner table. We, Absolutely. We still do that, you know. Yeah. So I love that those stems really bring that conversation back. This is a segment we call Tomorrow, This Week, and This Month. So with so many changes to 21st century education and learning, what advice can you give to teachers or students to try tomorrow, to try this week, and to try this month? So if you're going to do one thing tomorrow, I think you need to go get yourself a notebook. And that includes teachers too. Notebooks really are everything and they become a really special tool um, in in the writing experience for students. Um, I think students need to be able to choose their own notebooks. Our only requirement is that it's bound, mm-hmm. but we have students who bring in Um, moleskins and like gorgeous leather bound notebooks and then we have students who bring in your you know typical composition notebooks and they decorate them but having that place that tangible place uh, to house all of your ideas and your dreams and your writing techniques and everything you want to try as a writer I think is really essential so go out and get your notebook and like I said that includes teachers too who need to be writing beside their their kids Mm -hmm. another thing you could do tomorrow is just you know, as you are reading in your life as a human person, um, put on that sort of writing teacher lens and say, like, is there anything in this piece of writing that I just read for fun that could be useful to my writers in my classroom? And start to look at the, the text that you are consuming with your writing teacher glasses on um, and reading it that way to see 
how these mentor texts are kind of everywhere. For this week, if you're a teacher, you could try a little bit of notebook time. You could try putting a gorgeous sentence up or one of Mari Andrews' infographics, and you could invite your students to notice something about that text and then to try it in their own writing. Mm -hmm. So that would be the same for students, is to mm -hmm. engage with a small bit of inspiring writing and see what it might open up for you as a writer. This month, I, I would say, you know, try to bring sort of a whole mentor text, a traditional mentor text, um, into your classroom in some way. And that might just be, hey kids, we are writing editorials this month. Here is an editorial a professional wrote in our local newspaper. What do you notice? It could be that simple. It doesn't have to be 10 mini lessons taken from these five mentor texts and woven in throughout the writing process at first. Just think about, can I bring something from the real world of writing into my students today and can we talk about it? Can we talk about what real writers are doing? I really think that's the first way in. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us and all the wonderful things that you had to say and being part of our literacy conference. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for thank having you. us. We loved it. Rebecca O'Dell and Allison Marchetti's book, Writing with Mentors, How to Reach Every Writer in the Room Using Current Engaging Mentor Text and Beyond Literary Analysis are available through Heinemann. And there are many resources and ideas on their blog, movingwriters.org, which also includes content from other stellar, amazing, contributing writers. Yes, teachers, their blog is a must follow because not only do they share amazing lessons, all of the materials and resources and photos are provided so a teacher could actually execute the lesson the very next day. And also, following them on Twitter is important. They hashtag mentor text and they're always tweeting about just something they could use in their classroom. So be sure to check out our show notes page for additional ideas, videos, and more. We even have discussion questions you can use if you listen to this episode with a group of colleagues, such as in your PLC or staff meeting. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out all of our other thought-provoking episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Want to hear your student or child on a future episode? We are looking for kids to record our next kid outro. Read from our script available at www.cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. We even have a script for younger children. Just submit the audio file to our Google Drive folder. Thanks, Kim. Hi, I'm Harper. I'm... Five, and I'm in kindergarten. Thank you for listening to CNUSD Chat. See you next time. This episode was co-produced by Kate Jackson, Kim Kimmer, Ivy Yule Eldridge, and me, Anne-Marie Cortez, and was edited by Ken Pucci. We will see you next time.